Mystic Michaela spiritual family. Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela today, talking about something called imposter syndrome, how it affects us, what my aura take is on it. But first, hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. So when I read this, I think like a week or two ago, I was like, oh my God, Scott. And I like show you this and I show you the definition and, and like the psychology behind it and stuff. And I'm like, I super have this. And you were like, you you know, yeah. Like what's your take on imposter syndrome? Um, I have no idea. I've actually never heard of it. (laughs) Me neither. I didn't hear about it until like two weeks Um, ago. I don't think I have it. Is there a way to tell? There's a test. Yeah, there's a test. So there's 20 questions and, and, um, a psychologist created this test, um, Paulina Rose Clancy. Okay. hope I'm saying that right. And she created this, like, it's a 20-question test, but let me just give you some of the questions Okay, sure. Okay. So we're actually turning the tables here. Yeah, I want to see... Usually I can do these things. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so I have often succeeded on a test or task, even though I was afraid that I would not do well before I undertook the task. So let's say you got like a 90 on a test that you were like, oh my God, I really thought I was going to fail that. How did I get a 90? Yeah, well, that really has never happened to me because <laughs> right. I don't think I ever in school ever got a 90 on a test. <laughs> um, you know, I, you know, a lot of times I actually cheated and you I didn't got a cheat. Yeah, I did. Oh, I did cheat. You did? Yeah. You're a cheater. I'm a cheater. That's bad. I mean, I mean, do we even have time for the story? But sure. I, the classic cheating one, I'll tell you really quick. It was okay. in bi- 10th grade biology. I've never heard Mr. This. Brock. He could. He fell asleep during all all the tests, and one guy would. We, we used to have scantrons where you put the answers on the scantron. One guy would take the test, and then pass the scantron back to all the. And then we'd copy it, and then the next person, the next person. And it's really weird because the funniest thing is the guy that actually took the test. All the scores came back different, by the way. Makes <laughs> so. No yeah, because scant, you just scantron. You just put it into a machine. Yeah, this is old. Um, this is really an old way. It's of, just all. It's it's bu- filling in bubbles. Bubbles, right? Filling in the bubbles. It's all. So it really, if you're copying someone else's bubble sheet, this isn't hard. Yeah, and I got like an eighty six on that test. <laughs> so <laughs> that gotta, one doesn't apply. That's so funny. Well, I think like the whole thing with imposter syndrome is, and this has happened to me a million times, and I didn't think this was abnormal. Yeah, like all throughout school or or anything really afterwards in life that even wasn't graded. I would be like, oh my God, I know I failed. And after, like, I'm pretty sure I failed. Oh my God, I know I failed. And then I'd get, like, a good grade and be like, how'd that happen? Yeah, you're, you were one of those. <laughs> I like, I, like, I failed the test. What'd you get? Oh, 99. <laughs> it wasn't like, no, but even, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Okay. All so right. it's just, you don't really, you don't have a good gauge of yourself. All right. What's the next one? Okay. Uh, I avoid evaluations if possible and have a dread of others evaluating me. Um. Uh, yeah, I don't like to be evaluated. Like who likes to be evaluated? Yeah, that's just because that's don't, just, eva- don't evaluate me. No, somebody please let us know if you enjoy evaluation. Yeah. Evaluation. Yeah. No. So that I, I that one applies. But, I don't know about that. Yeah. Like I would say, like most people don't like that. Yeah, but okay, maybe I'm wrong. Right. Um. Okay. When people praise me for something I've accomplished, I'm afraid I won't be able to live up to their expectations of. Me in the future. Oh, my God. Yes. That's you? Yeah. Like, that's, like, so me. Mm. Like, if someone's like, hey, good job. I'm like, well, that was a lucky break. And you'll, I better not know you anymore because you won't like me next time. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that one doesn't apply to me because I think for the most part, my entire life, except for maybe the last few days, uh, people have very low expectations (laughs) of me. Stop. So no one's really expected much. So anything (laughs) I do is a bonus. When I give you praise... Because obviously I've stuck around. Right. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like 
uh, it's something that was just dumb luck or I was just easy to please today? Or is it something that you're like, oh yeah, obviously that was good. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you are indigo. Ladder. You're indigo. You're indigo. <laughs> you're saying I'm easy to please? No, well, yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Give me a nap time and like my chocolate and like you get all the praise. Yeah. Like today you backed the car out of the garage for me because you know I don't like to... Um, navigate my way around walls and I was like right. I love you so much <laughs> and you were like yeah I know I'm good <laughs> so all right <laughs> that's true no next? but like okay all right all right what do we got next? um I'm afraid people important to me may find out that I'm not as capable as they think I am oh yes yes yeah, and that one again for me. Again, people don't really think I'm capable. Stop it. I, I mean, as a kid, you know, they would say like, you know, mow the lawn or take out the garbage or you know, iron a shirt, and I just always couldn't do it. Well, you have a tactic. Yeah, you should share with people your. Well, no, my parents listen to this, so I'll never forget. It's like when I met you, we were still very young, so you were living at home, like for for part of it. It's a long story. But anyways, and I remember your parents were like, your dad always ironed your shirts for you, he which did. is so sweet. And he was a yellow and he's a good ironer and he always ironed your shirts for you. And I remember your mom being like, you know what? It's time for you. You know, you're 25 years old. Iron your own shirts. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like 18 or something. No, you were 25. Iron your own shirts. It's time. So it was like this whole production. Your dad was going to teach you how to iron a shirt correctly. And they got, he's yellow. So he got like the right starch and the right this and the right that and the irons at the right temperature and then you're like watch this megan and you go in to their like ironing room uh-huh. and you acted like a complete moron you were like i don't know how to do it and like your hands were all over you like i burned myself is this what you do is this what you do and you're like putting the iron in the wrong spots and your mom's like stop it stop it and your dad's like just get out of here i got it and you've never had to iron a shirt again and i'll see you pulling that stuff on me sometimes oh, but yeah, yeah. And, right. then, and then i think brie does that to me too now yeah i think she does that but um we digress but that is your tip for people that is a tip but yep. uh but if somebody finds you to be capable of something it like do you think like oh they shouldn't think that or do you have like some sort of issue with that or no, no again i Low expectations plays into a role here. Give me another one. (laughs) All right. I rarely do a project or task as well as I'd like to do it. Yeah, that's, that. I mean, that's, I feel like that's my purple, but go on. What do you think? There's everything I do is pretty much unfinished. (laughs) So I'll start something and I'll just be like, oh, okay. Well, well, you know, I, like I clean like, you know, half the floor. So it looks better than before. I'll just stop. (laughs) It did look better than before. Yeah. The other half doesn't look so good, but. That's so funny. All right. You're like keeping it so superficial too, which I think is funny. Um, <laughs> like, See, there, okay, there we go. But everything about like when I ask you a question, it becomes like, well, cleaning the floor or ironing a shirt or just like little things like that. Like, I mean, like in the core of you. Oh, so like, low expectations again. Yeah. You have like, oh God, this. All right. This is- I often compare my ability to those around me and think they may be more intelligent than I am. Yes. All the time. No, no, I, I typically think I'm smarter than the average human. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a great quiz. I don't know whoever wrote it. It's uh, fantastic. Paulina Rose Clancy. Gonna, I may be saying that wrong. I might get her on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, it's hard for me to accept compliments or praise about my intelligence or accomplishments. That doesn't happen often. So Stop I, I, it. I just 
kids did your feet today for moving the car out of the garage? But you, you, under, you understand, you're the only one. Oh, honey. Everyone else in my life usually that's hurls so, insults at me. That's so sad. You know what happens when I sit outside on the bench? Yes. All right, wait, let's say I have one more. There's okay. 20 of these. You can go take it yourself. All right, what, what number are we up to here? Oh, I've just been picking oh, okay. and choosing. Right. I don't even right. know. I just All like right. pick which one ones more. I give like. Me, give me one more. Um, Sometimes I feel or believe that my success in my life or in my job has been the result of some kind of error. <laughs> I totally relate to that. <laughs> it's so sad. It's true. I, mean, I was the assistant manager at Domino's Pizza. Okay. So, I'm, I mean, that's pretty good. You know, I, I feel I made it on my own there. <laughs> I worked hard for that. I did. I, you know, I assistant deli- to the manager. Yeah. <laughs> Dwight, assistant manager. Yeah, I mean, I, I made pizza. I delivered the pizza, yeah. and then I got, I got the, the, you know, the raise and yeah. the uh, promotion. Yeah, assistant you gave manager. out a lot of free breadsticks yeah. to avoid bad reviews. And, sure. And here you are today. Yep. I worked on holidays like Easter. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So I mean, I feel I'm not an imposter. And I think so. You don't have that issue. I don't okay. Have it. So well, that test says I don't. And have we're going to issue talk now. about that. I guess like seventy. They think around seventy percent of people at some point have issues really? like that. But you said something interesting when we were discussing this podcast the other day. You were like this topic. You were like, well, it's it depends what you're doing, right? You know, it depends. Like if you're the first one doing something that nobody else has done, like maybe it's normal to feel like you're an imposter or something yeah i agree yeah i agree with that i mean if you're, if you're doing something that no one else is doing how do you you have nothing to compare it to yeah uh or you know that i could see yeah. where someone would think that yeah. yeah definitely what makes a life a good one is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Well, what I wanted to do, I wanted to look up to see if this was a thing maybe in the celebrity world, mm-hmm. and see if any celebrities had this imposter syndrome. And then maybe there was some sort of correlation with aura color. Okay. So maybe, you know, maybe it's the indigos, purple, I don't know, the blues or the yellows. Yeah. I have no idea. So I, I came up with a couple, and there were a lot that have it, yeah. believe it or not. A lot of them. And like you said, I think you said 70%. So I'll go through a few names, and you kind of give me your take, give me their colors, and we'll, okay. you know. Okay, let's discuss. All right, yeah, we'll discuss. Discuss. All right, so the first one I have was... Actress Kate Winslet, obviously she's from Titanic. Yes. She was with Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. in the movie. Um, so she's she such feels, a good actress. Yeah, she feels that she uh, is a fraud. She would wake up before shoots and tell herself that she was a fraud and oh, wow. she didn't belong here. Uh, a lot of times she felt that she was cast like uh, as wrongly, like mm. they cut, cast the wrong person for yeah. the movie. Um, 
what, what do you think of her color? What are her colors and what do you think That's of interesting. That? So she's purple and blue, but like when she does roles, and people always ask me this and it's true, like um, when good actors <laughs> do a role, they take on other aura colors, which is why I don't like to read people when they're acting. Okay. Um, so I try to like look at actors and actresses like paparazzi photos and stuff like that, but her blue will disappear in roles and she'll pick up like red or like in Titanic, she was wearing a lot of pink or sometimes yellow, stuff like that. She's a great actress. Like she really does change depending on what role she's in. So I can see her because of having that imposter syndrome or just waking up in her trailer and being like, Oh my God, I suck at this. Just it might, maybe it even assisted her further in being somebody else in order to get through her role. But that could be very taxing. Yeah. And now this this is actually an interesting tidbit because I, I did a little bit more research. And for the Titanic, she, they actually, they were going to go with George Clooney to play opposite Leonardo DiCaprio in the role of Rose. <laughs> but they felt at that time it was, you know, just a little too progressive. Right. So she actually, they did cast the wrong person. It they was, did. It was supposed to be George Clooney. Yeah, it was supposed to be George Clooney. Yeah. That would have been a good movie. They need a yeah. part two. Yeah, like Leonardo <laughs> and George Clooney with their hands out on the, yeah. on the, on the deck. Um, all right, the second one I have is Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Um, he said something to the effect that he puts his tuxedo on, you know, when he goes on the red carpet. But inside, he feels like a freckled faced kid Aww. faking it until he makes it i believe that he's he's blue and green um i think like especially with people who are comedians because he's so funny yeah um there's a darkness there i think with people who are really intelligent um and also funny and i i get that from him and so i can see him kind of like being a green person being able to kind of look at this whole picture like this is ridiculous i have to put on a tuxedo and walk on this red carpet and people take pictures of me for what like because he's smart right you know and, and he's green and green have that eagle eye view of what's going on so i think that could definitely contri- contribute to being like what is this all about like this impo- and he's blue too and blues have a hard time um I don't know, feeling like anything's about them anyways. And it's funny just because, you know, on Twitter and stuff like that, he'll write all sorts of funny stuff and uh, about, you know, he, you know, people leaving my house, people got to go, or he needs more alone time and stuff like that. And him and his wife have like a really good relationship because I feel like they definitely prioritize family time. Um, my point being, and I'm going to talk about this in my spiel coming up, he's an empath. And I think okay. that empaths have a really hard time with accepting praise that they get. Okay. Now, is he trying to sell us some wireless company? Is yes, he, he is. I, I hate those commercials. That could be a little imposterish. Yes. You know, I, I stick with Sprint and Verizon and that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't All even right. know. All right, Ryan Reynolds. We're on to you. <laughs> All right. Next I have is Lady Gaga. Hmm. Uh, she has been quoted as saying sometimes she still feels like a loser kid in high school. I think that's what makes, uh, well, she's very purple. Um, I think that's what makes artists interesting to us that maybe they've never, I mean, I don't think egos are super attractive anyways. So maybe there's something attractive about somebody being kind of humble like that, you know, not deserving it. Maybe we pick up on that. We like her more because it helps us relate because we all obviously probably have imposter syndrome too. No, but she's really purple. And I think that that just contributes to her artistry. A really, you know, I think purple people can be self-destructive when they feel that way, though, which I'm going to talk about coming up. Um, and and I can see that with her a little bit. Yeah, and I and I can see that too because, you know, she was like doing like a drag queen show, not doing much, and then all of a sudden this like big singer came in, <laughs> and he took swept her off her feet and flew her all around. He put yeah. he was like the big singer, and he put her on stage, 
And that's how she became famous. Right. So, and she sang that song. You know that wasn't like a true story, right? A Star is Born? Oh, I thought that was a story of Lady Gaga's no, life. No, no. Oh, all right. Then my theory is wrong there. <laughs> Like anytime we talk about Lady Gaga, it's like I think the only movie you liked her in or any piece of art that you've seen her in that you enjoyed. Yeah. Was that one movie? You yeah. liked that movie. And, yeah. And I was, um, <laughs> I actually. At the end you were like, you know what? She's talented. It's like, oh, okay, Scott. <laughs> and for a while, which is really weird for about three months this fall, I felt that I was Bradley Cooper. Oh, that was weird. Yeah. I don't feel that anymore, but yeah. uh, the spell wore off. That hypnotherapy uh, yeah, thing. wore off. I'm sorry. It's okay. I was doing so much better than too. I was so I know. much more confident. But then I was an imposter, I guess. And you didn't know that though. But I didn't know I was an imposter. Yeah, because you were, you know, yeah. you had the hypnotherapy session with Brett. Everything was good. Yeah, I was. It was fantastic. I was. I mean, people were coming up to me. It was great. I know. I know. Great. I know. I mean, you know, more people come to up to me now than I'm the co-host of this podcast. But <laughs> right. All right. The next one is John Steinbeck. Now he, for mo- most of you, probably know who he is, but he's an author. You know, he died a long time ago. I can't remember when. Uh, he is a Pulitzer Prize winner, Nobel Prize winner. He wrote the book, The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, this is a book that most of us read in high school. I did not read the book. I failed that quiz. Uh, <laughs> thus, I'm not a pastor. Uh, and this is what he said. This is a, a quote from him. I am not a writer. I've been fooling myself and other people. He also said he admired his characters for being so much stronger and purer and braver than he was. So meaning, you know, here's a guy, he wrote this book, wins this, you know, the top, I think the Pulitzer is the top award, and he doesn't even think he's a writer. Wow. Is that, I mean. I'm, I pulled up his picture. Yeah. Um, he's like an angry dude. But in that yeah. kind of way where we want to know more about, why are you angry? Like, it's interesting. It's kind of like dark or whatever. He's got kind of like a, a green energy, but it's like an off the grid green kind of a thing like where i feel like he was uh, enjoyed living on the fringes of society is he the one that wrote of mice and men and stuff like that who wrote that I, yeah yeah was i think that that's him, him too okay, yeah. so i read that one okay. i didn't read that one either well he's like a fringe off the like a fringe character like he, living on the fringes of society outsider looking in like that kind of thing like writing about the stuff the rest of us want to ignore um you know, identifying with yeah. those characters that he wrote about. Yeah. yeah I mean, but, and like I'm going to talk about, I don't know, um, imposter syndrome doesn't always seem so negative. Right. And, and sometimes maybe it's something that contributes to our creation or creative processes. And, and in his case, it probably did. All right. Well, I got a couple more here. Uh, Albert Einstein. He had it? He's a green, right? He's yeah. Green. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, he felt, you know, he felt yes. compelled. <laughs> felt compelled. To think of himself as an involuntary swindler. Mm. Uh, now, there is a, I think, a little bit behind that. He was working his entire life on a, like a, and I can't even explain this. I know. A unified field theory. What? Uh, yeah. We, we're going to need to bring in Sheldon from uh, the Big Bag Theory <laughs> to help us here. Something smart, with, he's working on smart people stuff. Yeah. yeah. Something like in physics to, and basically it was to explain the behavior of all matter and energy. So I, Wow. In the dumbest down terms that I can say, mm-hmm. and this is why I passed that quiz before, was <laughs> that he was trying to put like the, I, the, the concept of physics all together. Okay. And he never, he never did do that. He was never able to do that. Right. He left a lot of things unsolved. Okay. But of course, of course he's known for the theory of relativity. Okay. Uh, MC squared equals EMC, WR, I, HQ, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, 
So I guess, you know, at the end of the day, maybe because he didn't complete all that, he felt he was Or maybe it's like what you said. He was working on stuff nobody was... Everyone was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and and it... But I like that he said involuntary swindler. Like, there was a part of him that couldn't help it. Like, he still felt compelled to solve these problems and talk about these things. Yeah. Even though there was maybe another part of him like, hey, what are you talking about? Nobody gets it or we can't even prove this or et cetera. So I think that that's another uh, facet to imposter syndrome. Like part of you gets it and part of you doesn't. And the part of you that gets it, you know, the part of you that moves forward or gets it, maybe that's like more soulful part or something that's bigger than you. And the part that you doesn't get it is like the ego part that's like, hey, let's just keep everything, keep our heads down and just get through this life and survive, you know. I mean, it's very That's crazy I mean, that he had it. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, come on. Considered to be maybe the smartest man to ever live. Yeah, the person to ever live. still proving things that he said is true. All right. And the last one. Petro Hanchar. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like women only want me for my body and good hairline. Sometimes when I swipe right and they swipe right, I feel it might have been a mistake. I want them to know the real me. Petro Hanchar. Okay, for those of you who haven't been following along, that's Scott's alter ego Tinder handle. Yeah, it's a complicated relationship. It sure is. (laughs) There's no line anymore. He's the maybe he's the imposter. Whoa, Scott. Maybe Petro Petro Hanchar. Wait, where is he from again? What country was that? You forgot? No, no, he's from Ukraine. He's from Ukraine. 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 He's from Ukraine. Petro Hanchar. Now. As I was doing this, um, and Petro Hanchar is, I would say he's purple. <laughs> You're so he's purple. He's purple I red. Seriously, purple. better help to come in here now. <laughs> <laughs> now, when I was doing my research, you know, for imposters, a lot of other things came up of people that are actually imposters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that was getting me red ranty a little bit. Oh. And, uh, you know, the first one I came up with, that might actually be imposter is that Charlie DeMonaco. Um, oh, for the TikTok star? Yeah, the TikTok Demilio? person. Yeah, uh, yeah, whatever. And she has over 100 million followers, but yeah. there's, there's TikTokers who are saying this is a TikToker scam. Oh. And she's TikToking bot, like likes and buys and of TikTokers. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, the, you know, and then I actually looked at it. And, you know, most of those large accounts that you see like on Instagram yeah. and TikTok – there's a huge percentage of them are fake followers. Really? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And um, like even Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah. They said like something like 40% of really? the account is either like, bot, like you probably have some bots on yours too. Sure. Uh, but you're not buying them. No. Um, some of these are not buying them and sometimes they are. So okay. like, like Ellen DeGeneres has like the highest rate of like inactive and bot users do they do bots follow the bigger accounts to try to reel in the other accounts or something though like is it an algorithm thing it probably is because like the top all the top people with the most fake followers Mm -hmm. were like kim kardashian yeah miley cyrus is it just a ratio thing it's a yeah it's definitely a ratio thing okay but then there's a lot of people that have admitted like that they're like uh they're publicists like they usually they say they didn't do it oh they're like my publicist publicist did it it, you know i didn't even know they didn't know yeah uh, you know, Kathy Ireland, I, I don't know, she used to be like a swimsuit model. Okay. Uh, you know, she overnight had like a million followers. What? And one of her like publicists or people that worked for her like bought them all. Oh my God. And, you know, she claimed she didn't know about it. Right. That was um, st- Stuff like that. You got to do that gradual. Yeah. And then the other one that I thought might be imposter. Yeah. Is this guy, Little Naz 
ex? <gasps> oh my God, there's so much going on with him, Scott. What? Yes. Oh, that's crazy because um, I didn't know this. Okay. And he got caught lip syncing during what? the VMAs. Oh, really? But then I thought, you know, he's the guy that sings the, do you want to tell me what's going on with him and I'll tell you what I got? All right. He's the one that sings Old Town Road. Yeah. And then what happens is, now I, I'm just, this is me super not prepared okay. on this. He's very purple. And the backstory is, is he's a rapper, okay. but he made Old Town Road. But right. the country music wouldn't let him in on their, oh, okay. on their whatever, their charts or something like that. Right. And everyone was like, is it because he's gay? Is it because he's black? Is it because, well, they're like, well, no, he's a rapper. It's like, you know, so it's all that kind of stuff going on. Then... He wrote this, so all, oh, who doesn't know that? All the kids, the kids know that song. Everyone knows yeah. that song, okay? Yeah. And it's not the nicest song if you listen to the lyrics, but then all, all the kids love it. But then he wrote this other song, and this is like where I don't have a lot of information. Which song is it? I don't know. Oh. But it's kind of like really naughty or oh, something. Oh, no. Why? I, I got a song about a panini, which is like <laughs> a, a, yeah. So a sandwich? I guess so. And what I wanted to do. Like you could do yours, or I could do mine. Okay, but mine, I thought he was he was an imposter because okay. I actually looked up the lyrics of this song, and here they are. Are okay. you ready? Yes, let me tell me. Tell me. I panini. So that's like a bread sandwich, right? Yeah. Don't be a meanie. Thought you wanted me to go up. Why are you trying to keep me teeny? It's a dream. He wished it on a genie. I got fans finally. Ain't you wanting them to see me? So. You know, anyone who could write that. <laughs> oh, it's a red it, rant. Red is, rant, it's coming, I mean, guys. That's not a song to me. That's like something like I hang out with Abby and we do. Yeah. And now this is like, so I don't understand. I know we wrote the, maybe he didn't write the old town. I have no idea. Uh-huh. Bill Ray Cyrus was on that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So to me, this is like an imposter. Like if you okay. have this as a song. So if you wrote that song. Yeah. Like panini, like a bread sandwich. Don't be a meanie. <laughs> Why are you trying to keep me teeny? Like. I could write that. I could go to Panera Bread like, and write that. I just you know, drank soup. It's nice and hot and cold. I yeah. Mean, I, I, I don't know. All right. So you're – so yeah, everybody, a, everybody this red rant was brought to you by Little Nas X. There you go, Scott. No, but like – that was a red rant. No, but like, well, that's I – don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Some people get famous for things like that. And then your point is that they should have imposter syndrome. He should definitely have imposter syndrome. <laughs> This other person I put up – now I'm going all out here. This oh, no. Addison Ray, who's another TikToker. I don't know. All she does is dance to hit songs. Brie knows who that is. We should have had Brie I mean, down here for she this She was on like, culture. the Tonight Show just dancing to like you know, what? other songs. She didn't dance? She didn't sing? I don't know. She, she was dan- just She's dancing? a TikToker known for just dancing. Two hit songs. Yeah. Well, That's an imposter to me. I think – TikTok and yeah. that whole like the gen the Gen Z generation. Yeah, I noticed that they kind of I don't know try hard at looking like they're not trying hard. I think so TikTok the hard. whole thing of TikTok is an imposter. Like all of TikTok is imposter. Well, I got permanently banned from TikTok yeah. twice. It's an imposter. I purple bombed TikTok. Let's hear from our sponsors. <laughs> okay, that's a good story though. That is. <laughs> So I just went to the salon and no lie, the, my hairstylist said, oh my gosh, your hair's so healthy. And she was like surprised. She's like, you know, I don't usually see such healthy hair. And I said, it's all due to function of beauty. No lie, you guys. It's like the best investment I made in my hair and I think forever. 
Um, I've been using it for about a year now and my hair, one of my goals, cause you put in your goals, like one of my goals is hair length and man, it got, it, it just, it's stronger. It's, um, shinier, it's less breakage, all that stuff. It's been amazing. Um, real talk. You know what? If you don't love your hair, then you need to break up with your current hair care routine right now. It's time to try Function of Beauty instead. Function of Beauty is the world leader in customizable beauty, offering precise formulations for your hair's specific needs. Here's how to get started. So easy. First, take a quiz. It's quick, but it's thorough. And just tell them a little bit about your hair type and then tell them your hair goals like mine, which was to lengthen, but yours could be volumized or oil control or whatever. And because your hair changes with the season, you can change your hair goals before every shipment. Next, choose your color and fragrance or go fragrance and dye free. My favorite's lavender. I'm trying rose next time. Scott? My favorite is strawberry banana sherbet. I don't think they have that. Oh. I must be... But oh, okay. suggestion for them <laughs> to, to do it. What have I been using then? Don't know. Okay. Then Functions team determines the right blend of ingredients, bottles, your formula, and delivers it right to you. In such a cute little box. It's all ready to go. It's such a fun um, shipment to get. Every ingredient Function of Beauty uses is vegan and cruelty-free, and they never use sulfates or parabens. You can also go completely silicone-free. There are over 54 trillion possible formulations, and Function of Beauty has over 50,000 five-star reviews. And Function of Beauty offers completely personalized formula for your body and skincare as well. So you can customize your beauty routine from hair to toe. Never buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash KYA to take your quiz and save 20% off. Such a good deal on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Whoa. Um, They even have purple shampoo, by the way, which is really good for blonde hair or highlighted hair. Um, Go to functionofbeauty.com slash KYA to let them know that we sent you and to get your 20% off your order functionofbeauty.com slash kya you will not be disappointed you know who else uses function of beauty who little naz v11 <laughs> a panini don't be a meanie okay so you want to go Scott, you're gonna have to let it go why but you keep he, telling me i have a teeny weenie what uh, I, 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 he dropped it on a genie <laughs> okay you gotta let it go he's famous for that song okay somewhere in the world that happened He's so, got to deal with Panera Bread. I know it. You know, red rants are a perfect time to get in touch with BetterHelp. Okay? It really is. I need it. I, <laughs> I need it. I need it desperately. But seriously, um, your mental health is no joke. Okay? Like, and I'll tell you, just like, I don't know, t- going working out or eating right or going to the doctors, it's important to check in with a professional to just see what's going on. You might... You might think therapies for something completely other than what you have going on, and that's not true. Therapy is what you want it to be. You can get tools to help with your motivation or your depression, your anxiety, battling your temper, stress, dealing with insecurity in a relationship or at work, whatever you need. Maybe you just feel kind of numb. Maybe you don't feel like anything's giving you joy. Maybe you just kind of feel like you're walking through life in an emotional coma. Like These are all awesome reasons to give better help a try. Um, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal, normal human struggles and start feeling better because you know what? You really do deserve to be happy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. I do phone sessions with my therapist and they're 
she feels like talking to a friend. She's non-judgmental. She's wonderful. She gives amazing advice. She makes me think about things in different ways. And it's been nothing but positive for me. Uh, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy. And you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. It's in the comfort of your home. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Know Your Aura listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash KYA. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KYA. It's been such a blessing in my life and I know it will be in yours too. So let's talk about imposter syndrome. And after we're going to hear some of the Mystic Michaela spiritual family members own instances of um, experiencing the same thing. Have you ever discovered something and you look into it and you realize that you finally found out the name for something you've been dealing with your entire life? That happened for me when I learned what an empath was. I read about it, I looked into it, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I've been dealing with my whole life. There's a name for it. Okay. And it's happening again when I recently looked into something called imposter syndrome. We're going to talk about that. But it's amazing when you name something, when you give something a name, when you when you pull a thread out from, I guess, your day-to-day existence and you really look at it. And, and you inquire into it and you, and you get curious about it. It's amazing how you can have so much more control over your life. And that's what I try to do here on this podcast. Um, I try to like, let's just be aware. Let's notice things. Let's look for truths. Because our ego, the human part of us that likes to say the same, loves to hide these things from us. And it loves to hide these things from us by way of making us feel silly or foolish or, oh, you were being pathetic when you felt that way or you were being silly or you got fooled. So like, let's hide it. Let's hide it with a bunch of anger or avoidance or other things instead of dealing with it. And I say, let's deal with it. Let's see it. Let's feel all those vulnerable, raw feelings and own them so that we can move on to the next level. And imposter syndrome, man, when I looked into that, that was basically another eye-opener for me, and I, I brought it right here. So basically, have you ever felt like you were going to be discovered as like, oh, you know, you don't belong, this person doesn't belong, a fraud, um, that others will see that you don't deserve a thing you've gotten, that someday you'll see you're not lovable or deserving, or maybe you just don't ever feel that you're worth any sort of accolades that you get. Um, These feelings are known as imposter syndrome, and apparently, um, according to an article published in the International Journal of Behavioral Science, 70% of people experience these feelings at some point. Some people more than others experience these at various consistencies throughout their life. Um, Imposter syndrome affects all kinds of people from all parts of life, women, men, um, high, low, middle, spe- whatever you want to talk about on the spectrum of success, all over the place it affects them. And it's basically the moment when you feel like an outsider and you're going to be discovered as that and 
even like if you're getting some sort of thanks or gratitude or award or like I said, accolade or recognition, you don't feel like it's real. It's dumb luck or a trick or a joke or a mistake. So just about me, um, my whole life I've resonated with not feeling as though where I am is where I deserve to be. That basically dumb luck or like the tides of life have pushed me into places that aren't for me, that somehow I ended up in places that I didn't belong. And it's way before this podcast or me doing my practice with um, with psychic mediumship and aura reading, way before that. You know, it, I remember, and, and this is what learning what imposter syndrome was, made me realize when I was like a kid, if I got a good grade, I thought the teacher made a mistake. Or I thought, oh, this was an easier test than usual. Or if I got an award, oh, that's a mistake or it's an error. Everybody got one. They're giving everyone one today. It's not just me. Like I, it's not even a sad feeling. It's just something I realized throughout my life. I just made it. That's what it felt real to me that I wasn't really getting anything that everyone was getting one. And I got looped in or it was just a mistake. Um, I would see a grade and literally not think it was true. It's kind of like looking in the mirror and seeing something different than what others see. Um, that's how I always viewed myself, kind of like an accident. I, I even remember back to when I was teaching Spanish in middle school, I remember my first year teaching. I must have been like so pathetic. I must have been so pathetic. Um or something about my place there that a senior teacher sat me down. Like literally she had to sit me down and she looked at me in the eyes and she said, Megan, you belong here. You earned your spot. Stop acting like you owe someone something for being there. I remember feeling so undeserving of being a teacher at the school. Why? Like I was one of like 10 other language teachers, you know, like what's the big deal? And, and, and it's just interesting because I always felt like a fish out of water. I always felt out of place. I even always went for things that made me feel that way. Like I am a white girl who learned to speak fluent Spanish so I could teach it to, to people. Like, I don't know why, you know, why did I also seek out situations where I would feel like a fish out of water? Even though, by the way, in the school I was teaching in, I, I would say out of the eight teachers, only two were native speakers. But that's a, that's a different conversation for a different time. But, um, but still, again, back to that, I didn't feel like I belonged. And somebody had to actually like sit me down and say that to me. Um, feeling out of the norm has always been normal for me. So I ask you, is that normal for you? Because I feel like a lot of empaths actually feel this way all the time, especially ones who I talk about like when I do my empath, um, my recovering empath workshop, or if you want to listen to episode four of this podcast, the recovering empath, the programmed and invisible empaths, that's a place in, in that stage of empath recovery, which is the beginning stages, programmed and invisible. That's when you're kind of an unaware empath. Like you don't understand that you can feel others' feelings as your own. And I feel like that state also brings something else into it. And that's this imposter syndrome. Because it's like you can, you're always outside of yourself looking for external validation when you're in an unaware empath stage and you're not aware of it. So basically other people's perspectives of you are reality. You don't have a firm grip on reality as you see it because you've backburnered it your whole life. So you in, in, instead, you jump out of yourself and you live in the reality of other people instead and hold that to a higher standard and higher regard than your own reality. And I feel like right there, that's where imposter syndrome um, can really, and nobody said this is just my own reach into the 
the spiritual realm, uh, the empath realm, I feel like that's a big, big way that imposter syndrome is born in a lot of, a lot of people. So this idea was first identified um, by two psychologists, Pauline Rose Clancy and Suzanne Emace. Um, and in their, their paper that they wrote, they, they thought women were more uniquely affected by imposter syndrome. But then they found out later that that's not true. Um, but since then, research has yeah, it's shown that both men and women experience these feelings. And then later, Clancy published an article acknowledging that. But today, imposter syndrome can apply, quote, to anyone who isn't able to internalize their own successes. And that's um, from psychologist Audrey Irvin. So according to Valerie Young, there's five types, five patterns in people who experience imposter feelings. So let's talk about those. Let's talk about the five patterns. And then I'm going to bring in like the aura colors and other um, experiences that maybe apply to you as I go through them. So the first one, perfectionists. Man, I read a lot of you guys. Man, I read a lot of you guys. Okay. Perfectionists set extremely high expectations for themselves. And even if they meet like 99% of their goals, they're going to feel like failures. Any small mistake will make them question their own competence. What does that mean? How many times have you set yourself up for failure? Or how often is enough not uh, not enough? Or the goal you initially set once you get there? No, no, no. I should have set a higher goal. This is the wrong goal. Um, Maybe you're constantly setting the bar too high in order for you to subconsciously never reach it. What This is what happens when you're used to beating yourself up, but not used to receiving accomplishments. So I see a lot of perfectionists as empaths. They do this a lot. Yellow people, yellow aura people also do this a lot. It's a lot of, I have to do this and this and this and this. I can't start until I do X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, these are all the things I have to do before I'm accepted or a part of it that, you know, I, I can't do anything until I get a hundred and ace all these courses and then I can finally do the next thing. So I, I do see this a lot with people who are used to struggling but not used to succeeding. Um, okay, the next category that she talks about of this next pattern are the experts. Experts feel the need to know every piece of information before they start a project and constantly look for new certifications or trainings to improve their skills. They won't apply for a job if they don't meet all the criteria in the posting and they might be hesitant to ask a question in class or speak up in a meeting at work because they're afraid of looking stupid if they don't already know the answer. I will see people in school forever and ever and ever or constantly live at the level of paying their dues. They never quite launch into their dream because they don't feel ready. They are never quite ready. Well, the fact is no one's ready. We just wing it. And I can see with imposter syndrome that a huge issue is that you're never going to feel ready. What you don't realize is that everyone's winging it. (laughs) Like anyone that like kind of just jumped into, all right, I'm just going to freaking do it. Like they're winging it. And I can see like experts that she's talking about, they don't feel like there's some sort of, I don't know, barrier that this invisible bridge they have to cross. It doesn't exist. Um, Michelle Obama said something really fascinating to me. Um, She also struggles with imposter syndrome. And when, when asked, you know, how do you handle like going into all these meetings and dealing with all these people? She said, 
This is a quote from Michelle Obama. I have been at probably every powerful table that you can think of. I have worked at nonprofits. I have been at foundations. I have worked in corporations, served on corporate boards. I have been at G summits. I have sat in the UN. They are not that smart. And whoa, like how just breakthrough is that if you can get it through your head that, you know what, at some point you have to understand that you're holding yourself back because you feel like you have to be better than you are, but nobody's better than that. Like everybody just is always winging it. And I can see with these experts, it's a lot, again, of empaths. And I can see, um, again, with yellow people um, and blue people and indigo people, they don't, or green people even, where sometimes it's like, no, I know what this, my own standard for success is. And because they have a subconscious need to sabotage themselves, because that's how they, that's just their comfort zone to, to stay in the struggle, they won't make the leap. But if you understand that everybody else is winging it, then you need to wing it too. Okay, the next one is natural geniuses. So what she talks about with this is that the natural genius has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something when they have to do that, when they have to struggle or work hard to accomplish something. He or she thinks that this means they aren't good enough. They're used to skills coming easily, and when they have to put in effort, their brain tells them that's proof that they're an imposter. This is, this is I gosh, when I used to teach, there would be kids who would know everything right away. They didn't have to study or work hard to get like hundreds at all. They just show up half asleep, get the hundred, leave. They, they come with not even a pencil to class every day. They're just naturally very geniusy. They're smart. And there would be kids who worked their butts off and they would get 80s. And man, they worked hard. And the kid who was sleeping in the back gets the 99 and the kid who was busting his butt gets an 80. And I would say all the time to them, because I learned this in my own education and then just watching kids too. It's not the smarts, it's the effort. Your effort is what gets you ahead. And if you aren't naturally intelligent, your effort can take you a lot further than somebody who is naturally intelligent, but has no effort. And that's the absolute truth. There will come a time you know, let's say you are a natural genius, there will come a time when someone's smarter than you and you are going to be challenged. And if you're not used to failing and if you've never been used to coming up against that and trying your hardest only to be basically shown that you aren't the smartest in the room, you'll flounder and fail. That you have to learn to fail and that it's the only thing that makes you learn how to try. You have to learn to push, push, push. It's the effort, not the intelligence that should be praised. And like, as I raise my kids now, I always try to avoid as a parent giving praise by saying, oh, you're so smart. Wow, you're such a smarty pants. I, I really avoid that. Instead, I use, wow, I love, I try to pick a detail. Like, and like, oh, I love how you work so hard here. Or, wow, you really stuck with that. And that was a challenge. You know, good for you. You really, I really see how you put your all into that. I'm really proud of you there. That that wasn't easy, but you, but you finished it through. I always praise effort not intelligence because it's not your brains that get you a lot of places. It's your gut and it's not your brains that have to take your the hit. It's the ego. You have to train your ego to withstand the world because your ego, if you're a natural genius and you haven't been used to being kind of basically kicked in your teeth, the first time it happens, you're like, screw it, I'm stupid. And that's that imposter syndrome thing. That's going to take a while to creep up on somebody. 
because I see these other patterns of imposter syndrome are something kind of you're born with. And then the natural genius people, what happens is, is they might not realize it till they're in college or even through college, maybe the end of college or now they're starting out in the world and they're like, oh my God, like, well, I don't know how to take a critique. And they just walk out and leave because they can't handle it. So yeah, that's just something that I, I often see. Soloists, soloists. Soloists feel like they have to accomplish like any task on their own. And if they have to ask for help, it means that they're a failure or a fraud. It's interesting because these perfectionists, experts, and soloists, it, I mean, I could group them all together is honestly like just, I feel like when you're an empath, you don't like to have people pay so much attention to you because it's stressful. You feel them paying attention to you. I, um, I had a reading with this, I mean, absolutely lovely woman. She's a nurse and, but she was a nurse for a long time. And like anything, she was getting burned out. Okay. She's blue, yellow, burned out nurse, probably one of the most, she didn't even know it, but most beautiful, wonderful giving souls you could ever meet on this planet, um, doing God's work. But the woman needed a break and she had an opportunity to go work with family doing something that's more of like, I don't know, like a, we'll call it like a coaching position, like a, for, for a family business. And it's a little different. Um, but she was, but to do it, there were like all these classes that were like really hard and she wanted to kind of ace the classes before she coached the people getting through the classes. Back to the whole expert thing and perfectionist thing she had. And it's almost like, and I told her, please don't do that thing where you're setting yourself up to fail it. Because these classes that you're trying to put yourself through, they're like physical classes and nutrition classes and things like that. They're very difficult. And if you don't, you don't have to pass them to coach people who want to do it. Um, and, And like I told her, like, you know, you're a nurse. You don't have to be sick to help people who are sick, okay? You don't have to like pass these very intense, you know, health and nutrition classes on your own in order to coach people going through it. Now you can, you can go through the classes and you can take note of where it's hard or what's going on or approach it as a teacher, but don't approach it like you have to be like star student before you can be star coach. And there's a, you know, and I, I feel like she was just having her imposter syndrome. Like she didn't feel good enough to do this work. But the thing is, is that your jo- her job wasn't to be a success at it. Her job was to support other people to be a success at it. There's a difference. And our egos can come in and just completely rewrite a narrative to make us feel like absolute frauds. So it's interesting, you know, with these soloists and these experts and these perfectionists, the natural genius, that's a little different because that hits you later. But those other ones, it seems like it always comes from a place of an internal, consistent feeling of unworthiness. The last one she describes are superhumans, supermen or superwomen, push themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they're not imposters. They feel the need to succeed in all aspects of life, at work, as parents, as partners, and they may feel stressed when they're not accomplishing something. I think we all know one of these people. They just kind of like get it all done and they usually just make me really tired and I like want to take a nap when I'm around them. But yeah, they push, push, push. And if they look like they need 
any sort of help or weakness or vulnerability or they're just like human in any way, oh, they've failed. They've screwed up. They're not allowed to look human. I, and this is where I'll just go right into this. Why do we have imposter syndrome? They really don't know why people have imposter syndrome. I have a few aura related theories and, um, and then I'm going to go into just like conditioning um, from how you were raised and empath theories and whatnot. So I feel like we can all get imposter syndrome, but like how it presents itself, I feel depends on your color as most things do, your aura color. So blues, indigos, even turquoises, I'm going to lump you guys all together. Sorry, I know you hate that, but you can all do this thing where you can always feel out of place. So it's just, it's just a normal feeling for you to continue that wherever you go. Your whole life, be it at a party or an event or a function or a get together with some people or whatnot, you probably are different than everyone else around you because you're more of a highly sensitive person than most of the people that you've brought into your life. That's just how it goes for the deep empaths. So why not continue that feeling, that feeling of ostracization? Is that a word? Like you're ostracized all that time, that feeling that you're always the odd one out, fish out of water. It's just normal for you. So imposter syndrome just makes its little cozy home in you no matter what the heck you do. Um, I feel like that's me. And then greens, greens and reds. Okay. Let's talk about greens and reds. Yes. I'm lumping them together too. Here we go. Greens and reds, especially women, by the way, I, I feel like greens and reds and especially women, greens and reds can feel imposter syndrome because, um, women, for example, are not celebrated with green and red characteristics. So let's say you're a green girl, you were always kind of like smart, a little bit of a loner, you know, you weren't so much in the clique as with the other girls, you weren't super interested in talking about what they were talking about, you liked other things, Um, you know, you didn't exactly uh, care about drama or whatever, you're a green kid, a green girl, and now you're probably in some sort of field where you're the only girl, (laughs) and You can handle it because you're used to kind of being a loner and you're used to kind of doing your thing or like whatever and it doesn't matter because you're green, but it can creep up on you that you don't belong because your whole life you felt like you haven't belonged. And again, society can really hammer it on a green woman that they don't belong in things that are more celebrated um, characteristics in, in in males. Red women, same thing. Your whole life, you're loud, you're aggressive, you're pushy. Okay. You're bossy, bossy girl, but you're red, you know, and then all of a sudden you're like leading a bunch of people on a team and you're Mrs. CEO and you're like doing everything, you know, that you're in the boys club and you're leading the boys club. Yeah. You're probably going to feel it's a little lonely at the top. You can probably, you might get the imposter syndrome, like, oh my God, like, especially when you don't feel like you're part of the boys club or they're leaving you out of something or whatever, they're going to find, if I don't keep up this wall, they're going to find out I'm not as tough as they are. And they're going to come at me. Yeah. That's where it can happen for green and reds, but especially with women. Um, but, but that can happen with men too, especially if they're very just, you know, if they have their empath color rules them a little bit more, that can happen with them too. Yellows. Oh, yellows. Oh, yellows. Oh, I love you guys. But you're total perfectionists. No one is meaner to a yellow than they are to themselves. <laughs> just know that. They have no sympathy for themselves. They have a tendency to have very cruel self-talk. Sometimes when I do, well, every... 
I'm going to say like every time I do a reading for a yellow person, the first thing I get, and it never ceases to amaze me is how, cause you know, I step into you when I do a reading. So I step into you, I step into your energy and immediately I can get like, whoa, you're mean to yourself. <laughs> wow. I thought I was mean to yourself. You're mean to yourself. Like they are just like cutthroat. Um, so the perfectionist, the expert, the soloist, the superhuman thing, yellows are like, we got all that. <laughs> we, we, we got it. All of it. Um, Yellow men can have it hard too because they want to fit in with the guys. But again, yellow boys get pushed into green, just like green girls try to get pushed. You know, society pushes them into yellow. So it can make yellow guys feel like they don't belong here or everywhere, like they have to hide. I see a lot of yellow guys, like they like, um, like, let's say they go work in finance. Okay. I'm just an example because finance is okay. You know, that's a green guy thing. So it's like more celebrated. Oh, you want to go sell annuities. I don't know what finance people do. I'm going to make stuff up. You want to go sell annuities and do IRAs and stock trades or something. And they're like, no, I just like to make the spreadsheets look good and organize people's money so that they know, you know, put it in safe places so they can retire and like tell them what to Yellow guys are more like, no, I like to organize people. Here, you should have your, here's this, let's get your budget. Let's do this. Let's do that. You know, so I can see them in some sort of, I'm just, this is my example, financial institution. And all these other guys are like, hey, you know, competition, hey, you know, making money and risk and all this stuff. And they're just like, oh no, I just helped this lady today figure out her retirement. She's not worried about it anymore. Now I feel good like that. And, you know, maybe you feel like, oh, I don't, I don't connect to what they connect to, obviously I'm an imposter. They're going to find it out. I'm going to lose my job. So that can be really hard. Purples, save them for the last. Worry about those purples. Purples have it too, but you know what? I feel like purples get it. (laughs) Like if you're purple, you're like, oh yeah, I have that. Um, Purples punish themselves for things. They'll, They'll admit things, but then they'll also punish themselves. They will they will do the whole, if you can't beat them, join them approach. This is why I can worry about purples with imposter syndrome because it can make them feel just defensive or upset or emotional, or they can react to it just by like not participating at all. So these are the people who are like, you know what? They sense it. Like, yeah, I can tell I don't belong here. Screw it. I'm out. And they don't even give it a shot. Like they identify it and then they just like blow it up. The thing with imposter syndrome is what I'm learning is like anything, you can't get rid of it. You're not going to turn it off. It's not something that you have to do anything about even except just understand that it's not real. It's your own way of feeling comfortable because you've never quite felt comfortable. That's what it's really about. And a note here about inauthentic colors, because I'll talk about, you know, wearing an inauthentic color is when I see people wear an aura color that's not theirs, but they'll wear it because they feel like they can't do life without it. So imposter syndrome doesn't mean, doesn't come with inauthentic aura colors. I just feel like it's easier to pick up an inauthentic aura color when you have imposter syndrome. For example, when I was teaching, I was, I would look in the mirror. I always saw yellow. I am super not yellow guys. Okay. But I was crazy with organizing to the point where it kept me up at night and I was like anxious and yellow, true yellow people, it makes them calm. If you're not yellow and you try to organize like that, it makes you very anxious. So I, because I felt like such an imposter there teaching and I didn't feel like I deserved the job, especially after I got tenure, I was like, oh my God, you gave me tenure? Like, are you guys crazy? Especially after that, I, um, 
I was wearing a lot of yellow. And then I just, I don't know, I freaked out. Like I told, I just, I just went, you know, so I think it's easier to pick up in an authentic aura color because you don't feel like you're able to do life the way that you authentically are. If you are, if you're not recognizing the whole imposter syndrome thing. Okay. But for all of us who connect with this imposter syndrome thing, how you were raised plays an even bigger role in it all, I feel. I feel like if, like I said, if you felt uncomfortable growing up and that was your norm, you'll just recreate that. Again, we don't do what's good for us. We do what's normal for us unless you recognize it and break the cycle, which is what we're trying to do here. Because I feel a lot of us who are in families where it was told that either being like super self-reliant was lovable or if in families where there wasn't enough attention or love, maybe you were always seeking approval, always struggling to keep your head above water. We, however your situation was, we seek that same situation in life, the one of not belonging, of feeling like we will always have to struggle to be loved or feel like, you know, we don't belong ever, but you do belong. Okay. You do belong. I want you to know this. And I hope like listening to this podcast or coming over to the Facebook page, the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family Facebook page. Um, I hope it makes you feel like you belong. Cause I think a lot of us are sharing things now together that it's like, Oh my God, that was my secret vulnerable little feeling. And it's yours too. Okay. We belong. You've always belong. Now, imposter syndrome doesn't really go away or get cured because like a lot of things, because this is just something to pay attention to now, because a lot of things, just like the word empath and a ton of other stuff out there, people are going to use imposter syndrome to make themselves look humble. So you got to watch it. But the, the reality is it doesn't go away. So just understand, okay, I have it. It's probably not going away, but it's not you know, but I can do something about it because having it is, is a part of you that's kind of ingrained now, but it's okay because it also gives you perspective. Maybe you were always just kind of out of the loop or maybe you don't feel like you belong because part of you really doesn't belong. Maybe part of you doesn't belong. I feel like a lot of highly sensitive people, a lot of the deep empaths don't ever feel like they belong because being human is the weird thing, the small talk, the putting a wall up to the elephants in the room, the the slamming of compassion, the shutting people down, the shutting the things that upset us down, the triggers that we're not talked about, the, the, all these awful things that are going on and we're just supposed to shove it under the carpet, feeling everyone else's feelings all the time and not being able to say something about it, not being able to talk about it in actual reality. Yeah, that always is going to make you feel like an outsider. You're always seeing what's underneath everything all the time. And you're not allowed to talk about it. Of course you feel like you don't fit in. Because everyone else is walking around like they're not noticing it. And you do. So maybe imposter syndrome is just a little symptom of that, that you're more a soul being than an ego being. And it's okay. Because many of you listening to this podcast are way more comfortable being souls and talking about all of this than talking about things that just scratch the surface. So yeah, be proud of yourself and be proud of the fact that you sure may have imposter syndrome, but don't let it control you. 
know what it is because you've named it now. And naming it takes away its power. They can't control you with it anymore. You get it now. All right, I don't belong with certain people or places or whatever. But I'll take the acknowledgement. And I understand that next time I get a thank you or an accolade or an achievement, I get why it feels distanced from me. And it's okay that maybe part of you is a little more mysterious because you are a soul and that's the foot you lead with, soul stuff. And maybe maybe feeling someone's heart connection for you is a bigger deal than getting a promotion and that's okay. But I still want you to take that promotion <laughs> and I still want you to feel that you belong even when you feel like you don't. All right. So yeah, that was very interesting. Mm. I, after listening to that, I, I definitely know I do not have imposter syndrome. <laughs> uh, but it, I mean, apparently you do, and it seems like it's a real thing. It's and, a real thing. And many, many people suffer from that. Yeah. Uh, but like you said also earlier in the, in the episode, it, it, maybe it's not the, the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Maybe yeah. like, like I just said, maybe being an imposter is something that actually helps you because maybe yeah. you kind of are in a way. And I don't think, and you have to just find other imposters to hang out with. (laughs) You know, it's, it's like a soul identity thing. It's like, you know what, like something's off here or weird, or I don't feel like I belong, or why aren't we talking about the things I need to talk about? And, um, you know, it's just another way we can connect to each other. Yeah. Um, well, we asked some of the mystic Michaela spiritual family to see if they were, felt like they were imposters too. Mm -hmm. And we did get a lot of responses. So a lot of the, the members have the same feelings that you do. They're so generous in their responses. So vulnerable. Very vulnerable and very Mm -hmm. honest. And I, I just picked out a few. Okay. Um, Kate Ann writes, this year I've been getting a lot of compliments and praises from my coworkers. I am only three in year three of teaching and Mm -hmm. feel like I still don't know a lot. And I feel like I don't deserve the praise. Well, that's interesting because I taught for many years and no one ever praised me. So <laughs> She's obviously doing better than you. She's doing much better than I am. Even my first year, most of them were surprised when they found out this was brand new to me. Wow. I still feel like I'm messing up somehow every day and they just don't see the mess ups. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. Now I, I can give my take on it and you can give your take on it. Yeah. My take as a teacher, I, I did mess up every day as a teacher. <laughs> Um, and they're all messing up too. Yeah. yeah. And apparently everyone knew it. Um, <laughs> whereas here, Kate is much better at not knowing. I mean, with any job though, you're going to mess up, but yeah, I'm sure she's doing a fantastic job and people probably think, oh, wow, you're, you're such a natural. You've only been doing it. I think she said three years. Yeah. Um, and they give her a lot of praise, but inside maybe she feels the mess ups. Yeah, but why do mess ups make you an imposter? Why does, why right. does messing up make you a failure? Like why does making mistakes make you not good at something? That's not true. No. You know, like making mistakes is part of the experience. It's not something that we're supposed to hide. A lot of shame in mistakes. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's like, that's just part of it. And, um, I think especially when you're teaching, you know, it depends what age she's teaching too, but like sometimes you do flub you know, and, and then like the kids are the first one to call you out on it, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you just have to be like, yep, not, you know, teaching moment. I'm not perfect, you know, right. like that kind of stuff. But no, like I think that just goes back to when I was talking about perfectionists mm-hmm. and experts mm-hmm. um, and whatnot and how they deal with All right, so normal stuff. Kate Ann, she's been teaching only three years, but it seems like she's been teaching 20. Right. When I was in my third year, it also felt like I've been teaching 20. <laughs> All right, Kate, Casey M. writes... 
I would say in general, I feel like an imposter at my job. So another job one. Mm-hmm. I'm an engineer. So first, oh, firstly, yeah. being a woman mm-hmm. in that field is uncommon. Yes. Okay. I'm not always respected by men, mm-hmm. but then there are a lot of men who are like, that's awesome. Yeah. Since my name is gender neutral in emails, everyone always assumes I'm a man. That's annoying. Okay. And her name is Casey, K-S-E-Y. Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I can. All right. That's annoying. Yeah, that is annoying. But I'm also this tattooed, crazy-haired girl <laughs> that doesn't look like the role. Also, I'm this funny, goofy girl, and no offense to any other engineers, but a lot of them don't have a lot of personality. <laughs> Green people. All right. So, okay. So, 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 so this is a great one. So sometimes I don't think I get taken seriously until people get to know me and know that I kind of know what I'm talking about. I have to see a okay. picture of her. I wonder if she's a, yeah. green, a green purple woman um, just because it's – it sounds and and green women are different usually than green men and that's I just funny. assume she's working with a bunch of green people because it's an engineer thing. Yeah, but yeah. I talked about that exact thing just previously. A lot of green women will feel imposter syndrome because they end up in jobs that are male dominated okay. with other greens. So because you know from a very young age, little green girls get pushed into other things instead of their green interests. And good for Casey, she pushed through it and she and maybe that wild crazy tattooed side of her that's always been there was like, you know what? I know they're trying to make me something else, but I'm rebelling against that in order to be my authentic self. So I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I, I was just talking about that green women in, in fields. All right. Oh, did you get her picture? You, you, you talk long enough so oh, that yes. I could actually stalk yes. her, Insta- uh, her Facebook. Stalk. Uh, Let's and see. I don't know. She's with another woman, so I don't know which one's her, but I think she's the one on the left. We're, we're going yeah, to hope. Yeah, that looks like her on the left. Yeah, she's green and purple. You got it. Yeah. But you know what? They tried to make her yellow. Okay. I can tell. They tried like some, like they tried to make that girl yellow and she was like, I'm not doing it. I'm yeah. not doing it. But I bet she's neater and tidier than her tattooed self suggests. Ooh. All right. <laughs> All right. Sorry for stalking you, Casey. They I just stalked I, you, Casey. I went to your I went to the Mystic Bales through family. Blah, blah, blah. Looked up your name, and then we were able to get it in time. <laughs> okay. Also, right. editing makes me look really good on this show as well. Oh, I'm not editing any of this out. Oh. No. Oops. I am an imposter. <laughs> All right. Stephanie Z. Okay. Yes. As a millennial therapist, mm-hmm. I am constantly battling imposter syndrome in my career. I've received feedback from both clients and colleagues that I'm doing phenomenal work or that I'm on the right path, but it is sometimes hard for me to accept. Mm. I always experience this in jobs, in sports running MVP and cross-country running or other areas. Someone tells me I'm pretty. I can fully accept the rewards and feedback, but in her career, it's a lot harder. Even as I explore my other path as a yoga teacher, hearing praise brings me feelings of imposter syndrome. You've got a lot going on. So basically in her career, (laughs) she can handle it. Yeah. When she's running cross country, I run cross country. Yeah. I was an imposter in that too. Yeah, but you owned that. I owned that, yeah. (laughs) I actually varsity lettered in cross country. And I don't ever think I finished a race because you had to run like three or four miles. But I had a varsity letter. You told me that was another time you cheated. Like you'd run yeah. through fields. Yeah, I would cheat. Yeah. Man. <laughs> See, you should have it, but you truly don't. I, I truly I, You know what? I'm an imposter. <laughs> no, I think like because you're doing that thing where you're like everyone else, no one's better than me. We're all the same. Yes. Like because you have a very solid foundation of that. I, that's true. I truly believe that. <laughs> Except for Alex Holden, who free soloed El Capitan. I wonder if he has imposter syndrome. No. Can we get him on the podcast? Oh, my God. 
Scott, oh uh, why haven't you been on top? Whoa, I, well, you just totally <laughs> boy crushed him. Like your face just now. <laughs> why haven't you been on top uh, of this yet? I, you know what? We're gonna have to. Well, once this whole pandemic is over and we travel, we're going. We know where oh, he I is. I know where he is. You do? He's in Yosemite. I didn't. No, he doesn't Isn't live he, in Yosemite. He's probably on the mountain right now. You got to get on it. Yeah. Oh, but, but back to Stephanie. All right. All right. Hold on. We totally digressed. So you said. She can accept praise outside of the job, but not inside of the job. Because I thought and, I got that uh, opposite. No, it's the opposite. So she can't accept praise for like cross country running. If someone tells her she's she pretty, can, you're saying. she can't. Oh, she can't. But yeah. at work, she can. Yes. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. All right. Okay. Because so, even as her, her other path is a yoga teacher, yeah, she feels like she's an imposter. Oh. Okay. So um, that's interesting how we compartmentalize parts of our life or whatever, or the things that um, maybe like with you know kind of in dealings with other people. You know, when somebody else is involved um, or when she has to teach or, or mentor or be a therapist or things like that, then then that imposter syndrome kicks in because other people are involved. But when you're running a track or it's something to do with your appearance, you're like, okay, I'm in control of that fully and nobody else is involved. So less 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 room for other people's thoughts and feelings to creep in about it. Okay. That's my thought there. But yeah, it seems like it happens in jobs a lot. And they said that in the articles, in the articles I was reading to prep for this, they they said that's where it usually pops in. Okay. But I can see it it happening with moms too. Because when I first became a mom, I had like mom imposter syndrome. Like when I first had a baby and nobody talks about that. But like when I first had Brianna, I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm doing everything wrong. And is this who I am? And like, what am I doing? And so I can see it creeping in with new roles too. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, you know, I, when I became a dad, you know, mm-hmm. way, way before. I mean, <laughs> no. another story. Um, <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next one. All right. Um, but, yeah. No, that's they a whole, don't know when you're joking. They, everybody knows by now. <laughs> Only the new listeners don't know what we're joking. Okay, all right, go on. All right. Casey, there's another Casey. Oh, another Casey. But spelled K, uh, sorry, C-A-S-S-I-E. Okay, right. that's Cassie. Oh, mm. yeah, I'm an imposter. <laughs> Cassie. So that's Cassie. I can't read. Okay. Okay. I am actually illiterate people. It's not nice. Don't make fun of illiterate people. No, I am. I'm one. All right. I'm a third child and felt pretty invisible as a child. Oh. So, okay. So here we go with yeah. the third child syndrome. Yeah. My parents' relationship was always intense. So I learned to not voice my needs. Sure. To get the attention and love. Oh. I would seek the unattainable. Mm. She went for Bradley Cooper. I ran for student body positions that my body told me were impossible to win. Well, I won, and I made the varsity volleyball and girls state. Wow! And did not and did these great things that were incredible. Wow! Blah blah blah. Okay, it's too run-on sentence for me. Acceptance from my parents. I had needs and was trying to get them to approve. I could do these impossible things. Okay. It makes me cry because I realize it. Hmm. I never realized until I discovered your podcast and understood myself. Okay. I'm 40 now, and yes. I finally know my needs Good. and how to voice them, and I'm finally not an imposter walking around Good trying girl. to earn love through being great at Good things. girl. I just talked about that. Programming, I feel like, would be the number one way this happens. You know, either, like, in her and Cassie's case, she was, why ask for love? You're just going to get disappointed. Yeah. So being that growing up that way, like very early on realizing she feels more of a burden than a blessing to her parents that were obviously listening. They were going through their own stuff. 
they didn't mean to. People go through things and they have kids. You know what I mean? They do the, mm-hmm. and, and, but as a kid, internalizing that is just like, I'm a burden, not a blessing, not even in a sad way, just in a way like, that's just my truth. That's just how I feel. And how, how do I get attention? I have to almost suffer for it. So putting her body through these things, make, and making her achieve amazing things, making her, her sweat and bleed and, and, just go through this stuff to win these accolades and whatnot. And maybe she found out now, you know what? It was always within me. And it's not that, you know, struggle does not have to come with being loved. I can just have that right now where I'm at, but I can totally see feeling lovable in her life or when she was loved by other people, she could feel like an imposter because she didn't grow up that way, just feeling freely loved and blessed that way. But yeah. um, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, Aww. and then and it, she just ends by saying, "I love myself, and now and now, uh, how to voice my needs because I finally feel worthy to do yes. so because I don't feel so invisible. Yes. You see me, meaning you. I sure do. You made me see me. I do see you, Cassie. Thank you, Michaela. Oh, that made me emotional. Aww. I love you, Cassie. Aww. That's so sweet. That is. I'm so glad that she found her love where it was all along, right there. But it's true. Like when you grow up and you don't feel heard or seen or anything like that and you just associate that now with just that's how it's supposed to be, you can totally feel like an imposter when someone's like, I love you. You're great. It's like, shut up. No, I'm not. Like because you were just totally programmed not to need it. So you avoid it. So I totally get that. Yeah. And this is the final one. Yes. Last one. When I was 10, I was part of a dance group. This is me I'm talking about. Oh, well. <laughs> and we went to a dance expo with 400 kids. Okay. The main director dude of the expo noticed me out of 400 dancers oh. and picked me to win the scholarship. Wow. That's me. Okay. No, What's I'm this ju- person's name? I'm just kidding. That's Catherine. Catherine. Ka- Catherine okay. C. Okay. I was so uncomfortable and did not think I deserved it at all, especially over my friends. Aww. Whenever someone would congratulate me, I would just say, I didn't deserve this. Oh. And the dance instructor was so frustrated. Yeah. She was like, I'm sure there are a lot of kids who would have appreciated this. I just mm. could not believe that I deserved it enough to appreciate it. And I really tried to dim myself and to not stand out. Catherine, I understand that same thing happened to me, <laughs> except there was only two dancers. And I was picked as the one dancer. Yeah. Okay, Scott. It, it's very hard to feel. Um, okay, so when you can feel other people's feelings with your own and then you get some sort of award, the first thing, and this happens to me all the time, so I totally get it, Catherine. The first thing you get is like, oh my God, I'm making other people feel unspecial by being special. I mean, and so it just, that's that habit. You're just going to dim your light so that, you know, and then, and then it just, it gets internalized as, oh, this is not real. This is a fake. This is a, he just picked me out. Maybe my hair was extra sparkly that day or some reason that has nothing to do with my talent. Why I got picked out. Um, that's interesting that the person that picked her out got frustrated with her because they needed that. They themselves probably wanted to trust their own choice or whatever, um, yeah, but that's I, I yeah, that's a good example of imposter syndrome for sure. Definitely. Thank you guys all for sharing that. Let's really appreciate you guys coming through and giving me these stories to share on here so we could all kind of feel seen yeah, within your vulnerabilities. And there's more of these over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family page. We have a whole thread of them and we read them all. We just chose a couple. So yeah. thank you all for sharing that. I mean, there's just really one thing left to do. What? Oh, no. We got to hit no. banana bread. No. Hey, Panini, don't you be a meanie. <laughs> You're going to. You thought you wanted me to gonna... go out. Why are you trying to keep me teeny? I wish I could play the song on here, but I don't know if it's like yeah. that violates something I'm not 
aware of. He wished it on a genie. All right, I'm gonna, we're going to turn this off and I'm going to play it for you. Hey guys, you take care. This podcast is for you and about you. And we're so thankful that you hung out with us a little bit today. Bye guys. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture. And then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone. The Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes. Or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.